I had your job. I was good at it. It was simpler then. Why are you making it complicated? Why don't you just answer the question? What question? I didn't figure you as one for bullshit. What happened to the kid? Who put it in the orphanage? Was it you? I was long gone by then. You didn't even meet your own kid? Why? Because that was the plan. I showed them how to scramble the records, cover their tracks. Everyone had a part. Mine was to leave. Then the blackout came, paved over everything. Couldn't have found the child if I tried. Did you want to? Not really. Why not? Because we were being hunted. I didn't want our child found, taken apart, dissected. Hey everybody, welcome back as we continue the journey of Deckard. Deckard, I believe. Um, what is it, 35 years later? No. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, 2017, 17, 27, about 37 years. 32. Jesus. 32, I can't do math. <laughs> um, yeah, welcome to Blade Runner 2049. Um, this time behind the director's tear, chair is... A director we've talked about already with Dune, Dennis Villeneuve, 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 we'll call him Dennis. Villeneuve. Dennis, Dennis Villeneuve, Villeneuve, Villeneuve. I would call him Villeneuve, Villeneuve, Dennis Villeneuve. There's no R. Uh, Villeneuve, well, I don't know. Let's just call him Dennis. Oh. <laughs> Dennis, it's Dennis. He gave us Dune, The Arrival, and Passengers. Uh, I'm not a big fan of a lot of his stuff, believe it or not, but lately I got into him, especially with Dune. It was such a fucking good mm-hmm. movie. Um, he has a tendency to make his movies really long, but they don't seem to be long. Yes, they're epic, but they... Uh, Dune, yeah. Dune's a perfect example. Dune was like two and a half hours, but it just flies by, and he actually wanted more. Yeah. Uh, this movie is two hours and 53 minutes, I believe, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's near three hours. Yeah, they should have cut this movie in about an hour and a half. They could have told this story. I now this movie bombed just like the first one, but it's a critical hit. Everyone loves it, uh, just like the first one. It was not the big blockbuster that they thought it would be. They were shocked that it didn't make the money back, mm-hmm. but it happens sometimes. Um, I think it's a sad, sadly. a sad reflection on cinema today, where a film. As accomplished, and I think I personally think. I mean, we'll get to it, but I personally think this is one of the best films of the twenty first century. Um, yeah. Okay. But I think okay. it's a sad reflection where a film like this bombs, and but yet you know, let's let's just say lesser films, um, you know, blockbuster films. Well, you got to keep in mind when you make a movie that's three hours long, you can only have it a couple theaters now, and you're going. You can only have a few show times. That's another sad so reflection. You're not. What do you mean? Uh, in that, um, you know, it should it should have been allocated more slots. No, you can't do that. You you got to get other movies in there too. You met you take a chance when you're making a movie over two two and a half hours. Period. You are. 
because you've got to be able to it's, it's different run times and show times and all yes, that. Yes, that's, that's it's not going to be. What you're saying is the harsh reality of it, but at the same time, I still think it's a sad reflection of cinema today. No, it came out. It, it, well, that's, this came out way before this came way. This came out before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. So there's no there's no re- rhyme or reason why it didn't. Don't know why. Maybe people weren't going to take a chance on it because they weren't sure. This movie's what thirty thirty two years later. I don't so, think young audiences could, who didn't perhaps grow up with the original were interested in it. Basically, maybe it could be, but it's fondest niche. It's fondest. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves it. It's, again, cult. So it's in with his with his big brother. I would much rather. So it's, um, you know, obviously these people are looking to make money from these things. You know that goes without saying. It's a business. Film making. You know whether we like it or not. But, uh, you know, I've always preferred the cult films and the cult aspects of life and, you know, popular culture much definitely uh, any day of the week over sort of mainstream. So, I'm for, from a personal point of view, I'm very happy for it to be a cult. You don't get movies like Blade Runner 24 and 9 made that, that do lose money. You don't yes, get that's what movies like, let me, let me finish, let me finish my statement. Mm-hmm. You, you don't get Ty West films. You don't get your David Lynch films. You don't get your Cronenberg films unless these li- big little studios that you keep kind of putting down don't put out the big blockbusters. They need, you need Disney. You need Marvel to do well. You need all these big blockbusters, big Hollywood films to make money so they can make these kind of Karen, films for us. I'm agreeing with you, but I'm just saying no, you're it's not. still a sad reflection. No, it's not a sad reflection. You're 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 judging. Forget. I'm not getting this conversation with you again. It's it's going in circles. Go fucking watch Doctor Who. Oh my God, there's a sad reflection. Not at all. Well, well, maybe like the the, the recent series of of Doctor Who, which has been pretty rubbish. But anyway, that's a different podcast. All right, so we're back. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. We got Harrison Ford, Jared Leto, Sean Young, Dave Bautista, misused. Misused, Dave Bustista. I'm sorry, buddy. Ryan Gosling, Anna Duramas, Robin Wright, Mackenzie Davis, and so on. All right. So, Blade Runner was two hours long. A couple characters you had to follow. I enjoyed it. It was good. <laughs> this one's three hours. Way too fucking long. Characters are drab and depressing. Which is okay. That's kind of a Blade Runner. Yeah, thing. yeah, but, you know, <laughs> that's 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 fine. Hans Zimmer nails the soundtrack yep. to kind of mirror Vangelis a bit. Kudos to Hans. He never really fucks up. The cinematography in this film is fucking incredible. Stunning. We talked about how we use the mats and the old and the old models. He in this one he uses models, but he blends it with the CGI and it comes out perfect. This is Don't CGI done tell. right. Yeah, it's it's beautiful, beautiful, and I'm appraising it. That's all I really have right now. Let's just jump into okay. it, and we'll talk about it because I got quite a few questions. All right, so now we are thirty-two years later. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the ballpark where we're at here, mm-hmm. and the Tyrell Corporation has fallen to its knees mm-hmm. um, and the last models that the Tyrell Corporation put out the you know the Ruckerhauer models Ruckerhauer models yeah. were Nexus 6's these are now Nexus 8's were the last models to be put out 
And now Blade Runners are still around to go take out the rest of the Nexus mm-hmm. 8s. And this was because the Wallace industry, who's now in synthetic farming to stop famine, well, uh, this guy's played by Jared Leto, the worst casting in the film. God love I him. I agree with you. And so his company now does synthetic farming, but he also has more advanced replicants now that can live life and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But they need to go wipe out the Nexus 8s just to get them off the board. Mm-hmm. Is that true? That's Pretty story? much, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also, also the Blade Runner, the main Blade Runner that we follow, uh, played by Ryan K. Gosling, is also a K. replicant. K, yeah. Yes, K is a replicant. You kind of play on that a bit, is he or is he yes. not? But we'll get to a dig a little deeper there. So we're introduced to K. Again, gorgeous. I love the car coming down. Mm-hmm. It's the cars. The car looks just. They kind of kept the cars the same. Yeah. I like that. And he gets into Sapper is a Nexus Eight. Love Dave Bautista has. We talked about how these muscle guys, like you know Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. and Stallone, they just ha- and Lundgren even and all these guys. They just have a likability. And there's something about Dave Bautista. He's in this for a very few minutes. But even his performance, you still feel sorry for him, and he doesn't say much. Yes, again, it, it, well, it goes back to the original, where you know the it's the you know where it's the subtext of you know what is not said, you know, um, works so much more effectively than anything that could be said. Yeah, and this is where you kind of you get you kind of figure out that K is a replicant because Dave Bautista pretty much pummels him through the wall. Yes. And he's still standing, so you know he can take more of a hit than a normal human. He also being makes can. a comment of something like, you know, you know, basically killing your own or something words to that effect. Oh, uh, yes, yes. And so Yeah. Takes him down. And then when he takes him down, he finds a little flower. Mm-hmm. This confused me a bit. He finds a little flower and then he decides to scan the land and they find a box, and in that box is the bones of Rachel. Yes. Okay, that's the beginning. So, why was the flower there? Was that planted by by Sapper, just like like a grave? I, I, I believe it was symbolic, and that it, it offers a glimmer of hope for humanity, and it's representative of life as well. You know, um, and how although she was a replicant, Rachel, she was basically you know she had a lot of humanity as well. So I think it's more symbolic. The flower. Okay, I I thought In maybe several ways. He, he, yeah, I wasn't sure if he put that there just as a, like a grave. No, I think site, it just grew naturally. But, yeah, I think I think it's more okay. it's more sort of symbolic of Rachel herself, you know, and that she was like this. Even though she was a replicant, she was very human, and she was this bright flower. And she also gets also um, you know she gets birth to a miracle as it's stated in the film. The flower being there is sort of a miracle as as well. Okay, let me ask you this. So he's pretty much hired gun. He's still a Blade Runner, technically, and he works for um, Robin Wright. Yeah, the place, you know. Yeah. So, and they, they call him Skinner, skin and nobody job, likes him. Fucking skin job, that guy said. Yeah. What, why do they do that? Because he's a it's robot? It's basically racism against, uh, against replicants. Okay, so they, they call replicants Skinners, yeah. like, as a derogatory. Yes, yes. It's, yeah, it's like whenever okay. the, the cop guy's walking past him, he goes, you fucking skin job. It's basically, yeah, um, racism against yeah, replicants. I'll, I'll, Okay, I was wondering because I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, unlike Blade Runner, where I did not like the Rachel story, um, 
the one thing this movie does get right for a sequel 32 years mm-hmm. later, and you mentioned it in the first podcast there, it does help you answer some questions that were left kind of on uns- or plot devices that I didn't like in yes. Blade Runner are kind of answered in this. Mm-hmm. Like I did not like the racial story at all, mm-hmm. but the answers that, that kind of would, would have helped are actually answered in this film. Yeah, that, that the whole sort of love between her and um, Deckard was basically orchestrated. Yes, because by, he has yeah. that conversation. Deckard comes, what happened? Yeah. Um, he, he confesses that he just fell right in love and da 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 da. Mm-hmm. But, all right, so they find out that Rachel, even though she's a replicant, she was a high end replicant, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, gave birth to somebody, gave birth to a kid 30 years ago. It was basically, it's 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 basically revealed later on that Wyatt, his gift to her, she was like the next level of replicant where his gift to her was a working reproductive system. Yeah. And now Wallace, he got two teams here. You got Lieutenant, who, you know, you got to take these people out. We can't have this come, you know. Yes. Coming, coming, coming! You know, coming of eight. We can't let this come. Society will collapse. It'll be too much for people to yes. handle. Wallace wants it because he wants to study yes. it and see what Tyrell did to make this happen. Mm-hmm. So they both want him. One wants him alive for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. The other wants him dead for the wrong reasons. So yes, that's kind of how it works. That's where you're. That's where we're at. So that's pretty much your story of Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, the first act plays pretty well. I'm into it. I kind of like. Even even over, the, even over the racial relationship in Blade Runner, I do like the Kay and Joy relationship. Yeah, um, yeah. You know she's kind of a hologram. I kind of like her. She, she she's kind of like his uh, Al from Quantum Leap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or Tweaky from Buck Rogers. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's a beautiful sidekick. Wasn't yeah. It? Uh, oh, um, I think yeah. I, I think he, I really like her in this, and I think it's a really quirky. It's a bit. It's a bit, and what is a very sort of grim and serious film? It's a bit of lightness. That's um, yeah, and obviously she's very easy on the eye. So yeah, I, I wish she was my fucking hologram fucking companion. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, she's a cutie. <laughs> so there's a nice line where he's given the assignment, um, and the sad thing is, where you had a human. Blade Runner, which was Harrison Ford. This one, he's obviously a replicant in this one. And replicants were used as slaves primarily mm-hmm. in the first movie. And this one, even though he's do his own thing, he's pretty much a slave to the cops. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's pretty much forced to do this. Yeah. And when he's told to go hunt down this child, this so so called child of this child of Dexter um, and Rachel, of Rachel yeah. he makes a comment: "I've never killed anybody who had a soul." Mm-hmm. I never kill something that was born. Mm-hmm. I like that yes. line. And he, he, he says, I'm uncomfortable with this. Mm-hmm. But she pretty much just tells him, fuck off, you're doing yeah. it. And then, it's a, well, again, again, this is more sort of layers of depth where it's about, you know, does the soul exist? And, you know, what is the soul? What what makes a, you know, a person human? It's, again, and it's a callback to the original. And I love all that shit. So we're introduced to Wallace. Mm-hmm. And here's the problem, guys. And, again... Jared Leto, I talked about on the podcast. Morbius, I like Jared Leto. However, I think he's picking the wrong roles. I don't think Morbius really fit him, and this one does not. He's the weak link in this, like. 
He's the weak link in this one by far. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, it's, again, it's not him. It's what he, way he was directed. It's what he was told to do. And he does I it. think it is him to a certain extent as well. Um, and oh. that he doesn't have the presence or, you know, to, you know, he, he try, you can see he's trying very hard to be this creepy sort of, you know, megalomaniac type, you know, playing God. Um, and he just doesn't pull it off. I just don't think he has the acting chops to pull it off. I'm afraid. Here's the problem. I'm against the the guy, obviously. I don't know him, obviously, but um, I just, so I think that while it's not wholly his fault, I think a lot of the blame lies with him as well. The, the, He's miscast. The the problem is the problem is you had Joe Turkle from the last one who played Tyrell, yeah. and Tyrell wasn't a bad guy. Yeah, he was just the mad scientist yes. who didn't mean, you know, he didn't realize this life. would come, this would happen, and he was sophisticated and smart. And he was nice to Sebastian. Mm-hmm. They played a game of chess, check chess, chess together, and mm-hmm. you know he had a personality, but he was reserved, refined, refined, believable. Let me, yeah, so. Then you've got this one. What they should have done, and this was Jared Leto was playing, kind of playing, a, trying to play a psychopath, but refined, mm-hmm. and it didn't work. They should have went over the top with this character, made him the opposite of what Tyrell was, because he's a young, up, he's a he's, he's a millennial mm-hmm. technically. So and so, what they should have done was you should have got a, a Gary Oldman or James Woods mm-hmm. or somebody who. Can play nuts, great. Yeah, William Defoe would have yes, this role. Yes, absolutely. You know, yeah, that's what you should have put. You should have brought. Uh, you needed somebody truly deranged, because he the, the and also the, the directions just. I really, I think it's the directions fault, mm-hmm. because his the the building, the Wallace Towers, where it is, it's very dark and bland. Then you put this guy in the mix, it's like fuck. Yeah. The only time he's good in this is when Love, who's good in it, I like her, Sophia Hooks. Yes. She she is good in it uh, as love. The she's the villain. She's the yeah, she's the, wants to kill she's the Michael. Moves. She's the female Michael Ironside in this. You know. Yeah, and, and she kind of saves it. She saves the bad guy's role. But he, anytime he's on it, like there's a scene where he, why does he create a replicant and then cut yeah, it? Yeah, I think it was just to say that uh, this guy sort of unpredictable. You know, he, um, you know that sort of thing. It's and I think it was just like the scene itself is just to set him up as. You know, a bad guy, but it doesn't work. And it, it, um, you know, as we say, he, he's <laughs> yeah. the weak link here. And he's just, it, I, to be honest, I just found him boring. Yeah, he is. He, no, the bad guy in the movie should never be boring. Not, yeah, even, you know, his motivations and all that there. It's just, I've seen it all before. And it comes across as a bit convoluted and pantomime villain. Ethan Hawke could have mm-hmm. pulled this off. Mm-hmm. I like to see Ethan Hawke do something like this. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it's. The problem, it's also, uh, let me get this straight. He's no redeeming characteristics either, which is bad writing, I think. He's blind, Mm -hmm. right? And then he has these little devices that that are like drones. He's basically Geordi from Star Trek. I have no idea what the fuck that means. Geordi LaForge, the guy with like the the visor in Star Trek Next Generation. Okay. Yeah, he can see, but it's through sort of basically computer technology. Okay, so he's blind. Here's what I don't get. They have all these cool fucking replicants, and they have people who make eyes and stuff. Why can't you just make a new set of eyes? Well, that's pretty much what they have done. You know? <laughs> I know, but, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you got to plug yourself in to see yeah, I I mean, what you who wants to do that. Well, I don't know. Maybe they're like Sonic eyes or something. They're supersonic eyes. I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 should, that would have been cooler than what we got. You know what I mean? <laughs> X-ray, he's X-ray vision or something. I don't know. I like the scene where... He, 
where he is uh, doing his thing. He's looking, and he's he's looking for the orphan baby, mm-hmm. and he keeps having these flashbacks. So you kind of think it's him. Yes, and that's kind of what they go but with. There's a major clue that it's not him. And so, when he gets shot down, uh, I like that scene with Love ambushes him. Mm-hmm. No, no, he doesn't. No, Love didn't. Doesn't no, I? I get wrong. Sorry. He gets shot down. By he, the he gets shot down by the these scrapyard. scavengers, yes. the scrapyards, and it's actually a cool little scene. And then Love has been watching him, and Loveless bombs the yes. shit out of him. They're just exploding. but then they rush to his defense. Don't the, the scrapyard people? No, no. He rushes to their defense. I think. No. You sure? He just gets up and he walks and he finds the orphan. Yes. Uh, yes. And that's where you find uh, what's his name. Oh, crap, I the, forgot. He's basically... Uh, Mr. Cotton. Mr. Who Cotton. runs the orphanage? And, yeah, well, it's not an orphanage. It's slave labor. Yeah. Um, he's, he's kind of a pig. Nothing happens to him. I like to see him get it. Yeah. He's a pretty yeah. check their plan. I'm going to forget his name, but... Uh... Yeah, I know. Don't say it. Don't, don't, don't fucking say it. <laughs> if you fucking say it, I'm going to fuck... I swear to God. Don't, don't say it. He was too. Walk away. <laughs> no. Stop. Right, you say he's in The Walking Dead. He's in The Walking Dead. So there and, you go. Um, Doctor Who. No. <laughs> so, anyways, um, he goes to the and he starts having these reminiscings, and he goes, "Do you have you know, books where all the little babies came from?" And he's like, "Yeah, I've got them." And so he shows him the books and these names, and he walks down, and these flashbacks he's having of when he was a kid, he had this little horse, the wooden horse, with the dates on there, the wooden horse, and he actually goes to where he hit it, and there it was. That's a pr- So now we're starting to think, wait a minute, yeah. maybe he's not a replicate. In retrospect, but it is it is a big clue that it's um, basically a Trojan horse, which was a fake horse, that it is basically a red herring, you know? In retrospect. I knew, yeah. I knew, it, it, you knew too quickly, oh, you must be ready to him, because it was too obvious. Mm-hmm. Too soap operating. Um, yeah, yeah. And the plot, whenever you like do examine it, it is basically a bit of a sort of soup opera type plot. Yeah, I guess it kind of is. Yeah. I think I saw that in the episode of Days of Our Lives. <laughs> oh my God, they stole this from Days of Our Lives. Well, it was from the Australian soup opera Neighbours. <laughs> oh God. And home and away. Um, I like the scene where... This is where I figured it out. So... He goes to meet Dr. Anna Steline. Mm-hmm. Steline. And she's told that she's got to stay in this bubble mm-hmm. kind of thing, this dome, because her immune system's yes. fucked. Um, I think it's a lie. But she she's the one who creates these dreams. No, I don't think that's a lie about her immune system. You think so? Okay. Because I think it's, well, it's a defect due to the fact that she is being born to a replicant and a human. She's like basically a replicant-human hybrid. And I think that's one of the defects, and it is a bit of a sort of trope and a bit of a cliche where you know they're they're you know that they're dying, you know that sort of thing, or you know they can't get outside this bubble that she lives in, essentially. So when she, but her job primarily, she creates the dreams, she creates the visions, yes, the memories that replicants have, but she's the best at it. Mm-hmm. She's like dream girl, yeah. She's like the Freddy Krueger, yeah, <laughs> but a good Freddy Krueger, <laughs> yeah. So he goes and he talks to her. And he asked her, how do you put the dreams in? How do you create the mm-hmm. Im- the images and stuff? And nice little scene, good dialogue. And then she goes, let me see. Give me one of your visions. Mm-hmm. And she looks into his vision through this whatever fancy pants thing. Yeah. And he starts to cry. 
she starts to really cry. Yeah. And right there, I knew. Yes. She 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 knew that she implant she put that implement in his she she planted that in his head. She says at the time and that was her memory. Yeah, she says at the time here he was. Yes, they're definitely real memories. And then sort of the audience and sort of Ryan Gosling's K um, then are supposed to believe that yes, oh he is he's actually human. Um, no, I knew it was her. I knew because she I'd was be crying. With you, I bought it. You know, the first time I watched it, I watched this in the cinema whenever it was released in two thousand and seventeen. Yeah. I sort of, but the, yeah, the, the wooden horse is a sort of giveaway. Yeah, mine was she started crying because it was her memory, so that's how she was relating to yes. it. So that's how I knew right away that she was the actual yeah. orphan. Yeah, I'm so good. Yeah, that's it. It took me three viewings, but I'm so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I get so he leaves there and he gets arrested. Yes. And he what is this with these baseline? What's this baseline thing? That's basically testing him to see if he's functioning properly or not. He he's basically went off sort of script, um, you know, uh, as a replicant, and um, that's why they drag his ass back in. And the, these are basically the testing. Is he malfunctioning, basically? Because he, for want of a better phrase, he's a robot. So they're testing him to see if he's, he's a skin job. They're seeing if the skin job is malfunctioning. All right. I think it's kind of weird. Because he's but went why off does she, to, you know. And the, but why does she get mad? Let him do his job. Yeah. It's because, and, and then he lies. He says, I found her and I killed him. Mm-hmm. Killed the kid. Mm-hmm. He lies to her and says, yeah, I found the orphan and I killed the kid. Because at this point, he thinks it's him. He thinks it's him. Mm-hmm. And so the cop was kind of a bitch, but she, Joshy, Lieutenant Joshy, mm-hmm. but she kind of has his back. I'll give you 48 oh, no, hours. Yeah, I liked her. She's, she was quite a... Uh, well, I, mean, I don't know. Tough. She's, she's tough. Yeah, she's of. tough. Maybe I'm confusing. Maybe, maybe yeah. yeah, she's just tough. And she could be a bitch, but she, she had her reasons, if you know what I mean. You know? She was looking at the, the bigger um, picture, you know? She had her motivations. You have kind of a... A dry spell here. Mm-hmm. Um, the film now, as we're talking about it in thirty minutes time, mm-hmm. it sounds like this, it's this fast-paced action-packed thriller. And no, blah, it's not. It's not. Yeah. There is a problem with the film, mm-hmm. and there are scenes that need to be cut or cut down. It's very yeah, let's go this way now. Like oh my god, it takes its time. Let's just say it takes its time, and I can appreciate. The director not wanting to edit his work. Mm-hmm. I can see him saying that. Go, you know, I because I, I believe he's like that. He, he's uh, very David Lynch is a lot like that. Uh, doesn't care. Did, well. Yeah, he doesn't care if a dialogue twenty minutes. Fuck you. I'm keeping it mm-hmm. in. So that's his. But it hurts the film. Mm-hmm. It really does. This move. There's a big lull. The first hour of this film's you know quite good. We kind of went over it there. Yeah. And then the next 40 minutes, he gets more into relationship with Joe. Now, I like her and all, but I don't need to see the sex scene with the hologram. And you got this whole thing with the hookers. Um, And then you got this whole... I mean, it just dragged on. It does not pick up until we hit the second, the third act, which is Harrison Ford. Yes. Um, I... I, Yeah. uh, Although I really enjoyed the runtime when I first seen it in the cinema a few years ago... On rewatch for the podcast, and I've rewatched it a couple of times, you know, before then anyway. Um, I think it does hurt it, and it does become a bit of a on rewatch value. That it does become around this yes. middle point a bit of a slog. 
You're right. I mean, you you talk about this famously. You and I have arguments about mm-hmm. it. Rewatchability for films sometimes it can lose. As we talked about with Shawshank and Texas Chainsaw, yeah. how you, you kind of know the outcome. It kind of takes away a little. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the same concept, a little different. You're in the theater, you're excited. You're watching mm-hmm. it. You're surrounded by. You got your popcorn. Mm-hmm. You got the sound effects. You got the big screen. But when you're watching it at home, you're kind of like, Ugh. yeah, because you know what's going to happen and, anyway, and it yeah, just becomes so a bit like of a chore. Yeah. At, but at times, yeah, it could be forgiven once you get to the shot, the scene mm-hmm. where, did you did you catch a little homage to Blade? There's a cool scene. I didn't caught this. There's a he's a he's got this car right, obviously the Blade Runner car, mm-hmm. and but it's got this cool little drone. Yes, that could go ahead of the car and scope up. He's scoping out Vegas is what he's yeah. doing to make sure there's no radiation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's safe. Mm-hmm. And do you notice how he goes six go to center? Five go to center as the drone's moving. He's, he's giving the drone's directions yes, where yeah. the camera should go. That's the same dialogue that Deckard used when he was doing the photograph, when he was looking at the photograph. I, I noticed going, that there was... Center so, right, I, I center left. I didn't quite catch it as specifically as that, but I did notice there was other scenes that were sort of homages to the um, you know the Deckard scene um, where he's doing, you know, zooming in on the photograph, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's cool. I kind of like. Oh that. yeah. Um. So, there's the best shot of the film. He's now on foot, and he's walking to this desert Vegas, Beautiful. and you got this mo- old monuments that have broken down and statues yeah. sticking out of the sand, and it's a gorgeous orange red glow it, it coming from it. Yeah, it is incredible, mm-hmm. and. It is just a beautiful blend. I mean, we saw it with Dune. Yeah. You know, what this guy, or what his team, I could say, his team did this for mm-hmm. him. What his team... Are capable of. Uh, what are capable of. You, I mean, this is... It's, fi- it's visually breathtaking. I know that is a cliche to use that phrase and stuff, but it really is. Um, and it just shows you that in the right hands, what something like CGI, which I have been strongly critical of whenever it's been misused, in my opinion... But it just shows you that um, what you know you can really do with CGI if it's placed in the right hands. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, and it's CGI most for the most part is done right for yes. the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, so we here's my boy finally, Harrison's back. Mm-hmm. Um, Deckard, um, nice little fun cat and mouse scene they kind of fight each other a little bit and with the Elvis holograms he, and stuff and, and yeah and he refuses to hit him yeah. because of the fact <laughs> he thinks that he's his dad could, he could be his dad yeah. exactly and it's it's nice to see him in the role again and he's just grumpy as ever which I love <laughs> that's Harrison Ford yeah he's just playing um, himself <laughs> yeah exactly so it, it's a fun little fight fi- again this hotel it's it's got a very, and I hate bringing him up because I don't like the man. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a good director, but I think he knows how to set up a scene. It's got a very Kubrickian style to it. Yeah, absolutely. The big, massive sets and the big, lavish hotel. You know, it's absolutely. got that, that that kind of feel to and it. So, and so does, there's a lot of connections, actually, um, with the original Blade Runner and Kubrick's, Kubrick's The Shining. And not just Joe Turkle. Uh, all right. I didn't see that, but okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, whatever. No, apparently in the original cut of Blade Runner, um, they actually used footage that was originally shot from The Shining, for, for the you know the opening for The Shining, going along the mountain. Oh, that's still available. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that was when at the end credits the, you see Rachel and him drive away. Yeah, that's yeah. and that and they're in the mountains. Yeah, and that's the same shot they used for when they're in Colorado. That was on used footage um, from The Shining. Yeah, they they got rid of that mm-hmm. that long time yeah. ago. That was the original cut, mm-hmm. I believe, with the fucking narration and all that. Yeah, but yeah, that's a good. Cut. Yeah, I remember that now. Uh, but yeah, it's nice to see him, and he he pretty much is going after him. Why, why'd you leave? Mm-hmm. Why did you leave Rachel behind? And Issa sums up um, with, uh, uh, what's he well, say? It's basically, sometimes to show love is to walk away. Or, or no, yeah, he says sometimes, sometimes when you love someone, you have to be a stranger. Yes, that's it, yeah. yeah. And that's what he says, and it's a great line. Mm-hmm. And he just tells him why. He goes, because we're being hunted. Yeah, exactly. We had no choice. Yeah. Um, so pretty much sums up one line fix. Yes, all good. And that, and, and that yeah. um, also adds a level of tragedy to Dakar. Do you know what, who he's become? You know because you know he, he loved his child, and you know it was his only child and stuff. He had already lost Rachel, who died in childbirth, and um, you know, but he was you know never allowed to see his child because well, basically it was his own choice. But for the child's own safety, he, he wasn't able to go and see the child. So, so when love comes back, he loves loves been tracing him. Yes. Because he, she's tracing him through Joy, mm-hmm. and no, she's tracing. Yeah, Joy's the the, the prostitute character, isn't it? Yes. Who, who the, the, no, no, no. Joy is the robot. That the hologram. No, but she also she's also tracing him through the prostitute, who sort of was um, basically put like a chip or a plant on him after she'd had sex with him. Whenever the hologram like went into her. Yeah, but why did she do that? Because she was on his side. No, no. Yeah, yeah she, she was sympathetic towards him, but she was also working for the, the Wallace Company as well. They are basically. But we find out probably they, but under duress. But we, but we, okay, because we find out that she's actually one of the good guys. Yes, but I think she was forced to work for the Wallace Company and plant that on him. And that's why how she knew where he was. Mm-hmm. Maybe she. Okay. Well, yeah. So they they go after they come in. I like to see when they fly, the cars fly in. Mm-hmm. And I like the scene where Harrison Ford actually kicks her ass, yes. but there's too many of them. He gets knocked out. And he's, he's still even in there, basically not, you know? He's, yeah, and so they take him away. Why didn't, they, why didn't Love kill uh, Kay? Um, it was, basically, it was, I think it's homage to um, the original, where basically Barry doesn't kill um, Deckard. It's because it's basically one of her own, and it goes back to the line, you know, the line at the start of uh, twenty forty nine with basically Dave Bastuda, and um, where he turns around and says to Kay, basically, um, how does it feel killing your own, or words to that effect? Um, my my basically read of it was that she um, didn't want to kill one of her own. Okay, which is pretty pretty good again. It's a lot, there's a lot of depth and you know yeah, subtext and stuff going kinda, on. Yeah, but it kind of. We'll get to the there's really good her, good fight scene between her and him mm-hmm. coming up here. Um, yeah, her name's Mariette. Uh, the, the hooker's Mariette. Yes, Mariette or something like that. Played by the girl so, who was in the recent Terminator film, Mackenzie Davis. Yes, yeah. yes. So she's um, uh, she takes him, and we meet Fra- Fraser. Mm-hmm. Fraser. She's like the head of the the. She's part of the Nexus Eight group. Yeah, and they all want to see Wallace go down mm-hmm. because they're tired of running. They don't deserve to be gunned down. Mm-hmm. Now, these Nexus 8 are... They'll have good lives. It's basically these a slave new, revolt. Yeah, these new these new replicants aren't going to die in four years like yes. Nexus 6. Mm-hmm. These are actually... They're more advanced. Lives. Yeah. 
they can live live lives. Yeah. So they want to rebel against, and they tell this to to our boy mm-hmm. Kay. Mm-hmm. They um, want him to be a part of the rebellion, basically. Yeah, yeah. But he then uh, shows his humanity, um, where he um, instead of doing that, he decides to do the right thing, which is to go back and save Deckard. So again, it now, ties into the original and Barry sort of discovering his humanity. Well, here's here's where. Oh God! You should have had an actor that could have played. You have Harrison fucking Ford. You even bring it back, Shang Young, which is kind of cool. You're and you have Love, mm-hmm. who's she's very good. But there's this whole long fucking scene, and it shouldn't have been felt like this because it should have been cool and edgy, mm-hmm. and it's not. So Jared Leto's got Harrison Ford now tucked away, and they're he's ta- he's telling him where is your child, mm-hmm. what you do with the orphan child, blah blah blah. And he, he, he tries to he brings Rachel he brings Rachel back. It's not real Rachel, yeah. Yeah, and he's like she's trying to woo woo her. Mm-hmm. You can have Rachel back if you just tell me where you deal with the child. Mm-hmm. It is the most boring fucking scene, and it should be intense. I think the only thing good about yeah, it's not it's not tense. Uh, but I think the only thing good about that scene is the Sean um, Young basically coming back. Uh, no, the best the best part. Yeah, is. Jared Leto gives this long fucking speech. Yeah. And it's fucking long. Right? Mm-hmm. And Harris Voice is sitting there. You know, grumpy Harris. <laughs> and he gets up, walks away, and he says... You got her eye color Rachel's, wrong? <laughs> Rachel's eyes were green. <laughs> but it's a brilliant line. It's brilliantly delivered. But here's the... Yeah, that was the best part. Mm-hmm. But here's the problem. Then Jared Leto shoots Rachel in the head. Mm-hmm. That should have been more powerful because there should... If you, if the if that scene was more intense, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, and it should have been. And I don't think it, it was. was the, I think it was the fault of again. It's because of Leto. It's not a Leto. He's told the. He's told how to act. He's told no. You can be more reserved. It's and both. Back. It's a direction, and it's also Leto. Because he just, yeah. he just, I just, just don't bam as this villain. Uh, it, he, he's just fucking boring. Yeah, he's boring. You know, spot on. But I, I think it's direction. To be honest with you, but. It's either way, it's both, but yeah, fair enough. Um, so I like the the finale when the car mm-hmm. the uh, the uh, they shoot down. Uh, he's pissed now, okay, and he shoots down Love's car, and they crash in that little mm-hmm. sewer where the water's coming in, yeah, the dam or whatever, and the car's filling up. It's a nice, nice scene. I like that it's whole pretty scene. Pretty gripping, intense. Yeah, um, it is. And, when you first and this it, is when they yeah. Love pretty much kills Kay. Mm-hmm. You don't know it right away, but you know he's he's gonna die here. Yes. But he ends up prevailing and choking underwater, which is pretty, yeah, pretty tough little watch. Mm-hmm. This girl was, was pretty much the villain of the movie. It kind of felt sorry for her a little bit when she yeah, was drowning. Yeah, absolutely. Under there. Yeah, and that's just it. well, it's again good writing and good acting. She was, I mean, she blows Lita out of the water. She should have been Pun the head intended. villain. Yeah, she um, should have been the whole thing. Yeah, get rid of Leto and make her the head guru. And sometimes within modern films, it can be a bit sort of it's become a trope, and it can be a bit um, tight where you have like the the tough sort of female kick ass, you know, sort of you know character. But in this case, it's totally you know you're totally bad. So yeah, he gets so he brings you know Decker to the end mm-hmm. to see his daughter. And obviously, he dies on the steps. It's very emotional. Yeah, it's sad when he dies. Mm-hmm. But I love how they cut the ending. Yeah. I love when all you see, he meets his daughter, and there's a, obviously a glass between them. Yeah. All you see is Deckard put his hand on the glass. Yes. And it cuts away. Brilliant, yeah. 
Yeah. That's the way to end it. Good ending for the character. Yeah. Full arc. Oh, he's all happy. He's yeah. got the bad guys are gone. He's got his kid. Yeah. And life goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh this guy's it's not it's not as good as the first time I saw it. And it's due to Jared Leto and the length. Those are the two things that hurt this film. Everything else goes back to Blade Runner. The casting, the visual effects, the character arcs, they're all good. You even love the bad guy, even though she's a really bad guy, but she's not really a bad guy. But you she- feel sorry for her, <laughs> but she does show a yeah. shade of humanity uh, at the end there and stuff, and so that's whenever you sort of feel sorry for her. It's, it's very well handled. Um, I, I, As I said at the start of this podcast, I think it's one of the best films of the 21st century. It's not perfect, but, you know, basically, um, I agree with what you said, down to Lido, and it is a bit overlong when you rewatch it. Um, but, um, what, um, yeah, definitely one of the best films of the 21st century for me. Um, visually stunning. Um, it ticks all the boxes in, in pretty much most departments. And I think it's a brilliant companion piece to the original. Not as good as the original, but a brilliant companion piece to it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to compare with the original. I take the original. I think the original stands alone. I don't think you needed a sequel. Yeah, we we didn't need this film. I, I so I think yeah, that, I would agree with that. And I think that's why it's it's it works because it's well done. Mm-hmm. Most of these come up forty years later. I like, go, oh God, here we go. Yeah. But you know, it it, it 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 you're right. It's a decent companion piece. Uh, it could have been edited so much shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted, I knew we weren't going to get it because he probably probably in his contract, but. I would like to have seen more Harrison Ford. He's barely in it, to be honest with you. That was probably Harrison Ford, but as well, you know what he's like. Yeah, no, I said that he's yeah. he, he's doing Star, he's doing you know Star, you know Force Awakens, and he's doing this at the same time. Yeah. So it's like I get it. He doesn't, you know, but mm-hmm. it, it was nice to see him in the old in the old oh, role just for, just, for just Harrison for, Ford for nostalgic purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. But yeah, it's not it's 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 all right. It's, no, it's not the best film of the twenty first century. You and I it's won't one see of the best. I, I would that say. One. No, it's not. But it, but that is also going back to the sad reflection thing, a sad reflection of where we are today with um, modern cinema. But you know, um, it doesn't make any sense what you're saying. But they made the film. I don't understand. What no, you're no, saying no, no. It. It's a, it's a, another aspect of being a sad reflection in that. Um, while I think that this is one of the best films of the 21st century, it shows you that there hasn't really been that much competition against it you know to be one of the one of the greatest films of the 21st century i'm not saying it is the greatest film of the 21st century but it'd be up there with some you know films like mulholland drive the lighthouse um whatnot i'd <laughs> 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 see the best oh, we're done. i'm not guys, even joking you know you guys let's move on oh fuck me raw oh my <laughs> god you put this movie in the lighthouse and oh fuck off okay we'll just, you know i'm not even joking here red- I, I can't listen to you anymore. <laughs> um, we're done. Let's just end this, please. Oh, my God. I can't believe this. Oh, my God. Kieran, Hor- please, horny, please, horny please, fucking please, mermaid lumberjacks. I'm going to put a request here on our... Please, 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 at some point, just for just for the sake of the listeners, um, just to have a bit of a laugh at both our expenses, can we review one of the Doctor Who films, either the 1960 Dalek films with Peter Cushing, or the made-for-TV movie with Paul McGann in the 1990s. Oh, dear God. This is... I... I, I, I don't, it would be entertaining. You have oh, to admit. Fuck me. <laughs> fuck me. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. This is our last podcast. <laughs> and on that oh, note, my Kieran God. resigns. <laughs> oh, God. All right, guys. You can follow us if you want. <laughs> I don't I, I want it at this point. Uh, Citizen Frame underscore podcast on Instagram and, of course, Facebook. 
Uh, next time you hear from us, it's Christmas month, and uh, we'll probably kick that off with a Christmas Tim Burton classic, Edward Scissorhands. We'll chat soon.